So Bobby, uh, I was I was in bed last night. I was about to go to sleep, but I thought, yes. you know, I wanna I wanna find. <laughs> I I watched this uh I watched this Japanese what drama. What were you show. watching? What were you watching? Uh, I wasn't actually watching it. I was remembering something that I had watched before, okay. uh, which was this which was this uh, pol- uh, police drama. Well, dramas are strong. It's a it's a comedy. A Japanese police comedy that was that was quite funny and I enjoyed and I was like oh I'd like to I should watch more live action Japanese television shows wouldn't that be fun? How uh, would you ever have all the anime? <laughs> yeah, well the funny thing is they made an anime out of that uh, show because it's it's actually all based on a manga. Uh, anyway, it does, that part doesn't matter. Uh, so I, I went to I went to a site that has all the Japanese and and Chinese and Korean dramas on it. And what uh, kind of site I, did and, you go to? Uh, it's called Kiss Asian, and Jeez. and that's not it's not that's not a hentai that's not Jeez. a that's not a porn thing. The 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 site the site is Kiss whatever. Like they have a Kiss anime, they have a uh, they have a Kiss comics. There there was a Kiss everything. So Kiss Asian was just here's live action Asian television. Uh, it does sound weird though. Um, anyway, I found out accidentally. Again, I was not searching for this, but I just oh, found because I was looking at you popular sound like me at age thirteen <laughs> talking to my parents about some questionable floppy disk that I had stuck underneath <laughs> a questionable well, the good, location. The, the good news is it's not pornography. It's uh, it's much worse than that. It's it's more anime. Um, a different type kinda. of pornography. <laughs> in some ways, uh, not in this way though. Um, and I, I, I just was searching like, oh, well, what's popular? What's what search this by the popular things that are getting downloaded. And, uh, I ran into a show that I am currently watching the anime of, and I did not even know there was some live action Japanese drama version. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was like, well, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh huh. hundred percent. You nailed it. Um, no, I, I don't know. Let me let me check real quick. Is this one of the ones that's on Bobby's list uh, of well, potential is, anime that you might have to talk because about? That that would just yeah. be a, pro- a problem. Uh, it's not good. Good news. Good news, Bobby. It's not. This one's not. Okay. Uh, and I'll make sure not to add it. Uh, it's called Kaguya-sama: Love Is War, uh, and it's it's about uh, two high school kids who like each other but don't want to admit that they like each other, um, and wants the other one to confess before they do. Um, and and in the anime and in the the manga, the original manga, it is it is them getting into increasingly ridiculous situations where they're trying to force it out of the other one, and the other one then undercutting it and making making an excuse and flipping it back on them. Uh, and it's just kind of comedic that it goes back and forth like that. No, there was a live action version, uh, and so uh, and so now I've grabbed that. And I need to uh, I need to watch those at some point. But I did the normal chase thing where I I just collect and I don't actually act consume any of it. So uh, you know I I pulled the chase. I don't know um, if I'm more disappointed in you uh-huh. or the fact that Johnny You're doesn't that Johnny doesn't want to be here tonight. And oh. it's <laughs> well that, that's tough. Uh, I would say you're probably more disappointed in me. <laughs> That takes a, that's a big ask. Uh, I mean, 
That's a big ask. Uh, I'm, you yeah. know, it's very on brand for you, and I think it's that tonight's show will highlight a lot of our own brands, and uh, we've got. Okay. There's just there's some very on brand things tonight for both of us. I think we're going to be talking through. Um, this is a deep dive that Johnny was supposed to lead, but he decided that he didn't want to do that tonight. So we're going to take care of it and run the show for him. And uh, it'll be a great time. We'll make fun of him. I've already added more to the Be Nice to Johnny Fund this oh, evening. Oh, did you? And uh, look for. Oh my degrees. goodness, you did. Bobby, uh, I, I didn't want to say it, but I was so close to having enough money again. I figured again. somebody was, and uh, Johnny will have to explain to you all why it's going to cost more. So, I mean, I uh, certainly wasn't going to pay for it tonight, but I was I was getting there. I was so yeah. close to getting there. Yeah. Yep, it was going to be a great about. occasion, but but now it's uh now it's basically impossible. <laughs> it's how I want it to be. Um, okay, so. Fair uh, we are going to do a deep dive on the back half of the episode where we're going to talk a little bit about our DLC preferences and some of our favorite moments in DLC history. But before that, we're going to talk to you by, about quite a few games. There's been a lot of things that have been happening. Chase has a mystery game tonight, which I can't wait to hear about. Uh, he's promised me yeah, a very yeah, small update on Digimon. Uh, I think that we're going to talk a little bit about Destiny. Hard Space, Shipbreaker, Floppy Nights, Apico, V Rising, a lot of cool stuff tonight. So get cozy, hang out. We've got a big show for you, and uh, yeah. we're gonna get right to it with just Chase and I again talking sure. about the video games. Are we good on audio? Should I check that? By the way, uh, always. You know, I, I th all this stuff looks like it's working, but I think let's give it a okay. test. Let's give it a I'm quick gonna... test. This stuff looks like it's working, but I okay. think let's give it. You a sound test. good. I heard me i sound good i sound good. everything right. good everything's we're good. good we're it's here great. audio it's, great, is, it's gonna be a great show it's gonna be a great show johnny's not here our audio's working here how could it be anything less than everything is working out great all right let me let me start like you said um i finished digimon story cyber sleuth hacker's memory it's fine it's it's fine. It's done. Now you can get ready for even more Digimon. And we're all happy to hear yeah, that. Yeah, Digimon Survive is in late July, I think. Yep. So I've got a bit of a reprieve, except I'm not, not really a reprieve. I've been rewatching the Digimon anime. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, um, but that's it. That's that's all I'm going to say. It was fine. It, it was a fine... It was, it was a thing. It was okay. Um, but I'm glad I did it. Let's I'm, move on. I'm glad that you did do it as well. <laughs> uh but and once i finish digimon it's it's only right for me to go right back to pokemon right that's the only he hates these mons that's <laughs> <laughs> i i really just oscillate between the two don't i yes. uh i played another pokemon rom hack i was interested in, in trying out a new one and seeing what it's about it's called pokemon gs chronicles and uh what's it the is GS a, stand for gold and silver huh which gives you a real hint at what this thing is. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a hack of Pokemon Fire Red, which is a Game Boy Advance game, but it is kind of a... It is not kind of. It is definitely a remake of Gold and Silver. And they did make a, an actual remake of Gold and Silver, but that was on the DS. And I think this is super interesting that this is a Game Boy Advance version of a remake of a game that, that never showed up on Game Boy Advance. Uh, so... You, you haven't seen Johto 
this way before. I, I think they might have taken some of the assets from the DS game and and brought them right. down a little bit to work on a GBA. Nice. But uh, it, it seems like there's a lot of work that was put in to make this game work. But honestly, I think this thing is is really cool. And there's also a lot of really cool quality of life things to it. And uh, and a lot of new things that you wouldn't have gotten in that Heart Gold Soul Silver remake, and I quite like it. So uh, I, I'm only uh, uh, I'm on the third gym. Or I'm about to go into the third gym. I picked uh, Cyndaquil because I I just like picking fire starters. I'm actually kind of regretting that because uh, I didn't realize that you can get some other Pokemon very early. Oh, and uh, I found uh, I found one of my favorite fire Pokemon to uh, to use Houndour. I was going to ask if it was Houndour. That's, that's the one. That's the one. So in in normal Gold and Silver, original Gold and Silver, you wouldn't get that until you got all the way to Kanto. I think it's right outside of Celadon City. And yeah. Like that 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 Pokemon is so far away in the game, you'll never have it. But in here, it's in like the third route. And I'm like, oh shit, that's a Houndour. Holy shit, uh, that's that that's one of my favorite Pokemon ever. A third evolution. Uh, I I don't think it gets a third evolution, but this game does have Mega evolutions, and and Mega Houndoom exists, so I think you can get Mega Houndoom in this game. Um, oh, yeah. But let me run down. I I made a list. I took notes so I wouldn't just ramble on and on. Um, but it You're is it a is a pro it gamer. Is a, it is a full page of notes. So uh, so we'll we'll get through this. Um, so it's gold and silver done on GBA with lots of quality of life and fun additions. Uh, it has the physical special split that happened in Gen 4, I believe. Okay. So so uh, what, what I mean by that is uh, before then, Gens 3 and, and before, uh, any water move would have been a special attack and any fighting move would have been a physical attack. But in Gen 4, they changed that. So now a move like Karate Chop is a physical fighting move, but a, a move like Focus Blast is a special fighting move. And Pokemon have different stats. Their special attack stat uh, is is based on how much they can do with special special moves versus their regular attack stat, which is what they can do with, with uh, contact moves, contact uh, physical nice. moves. So now some Pokemon uh, get a lot of benefits from that because they might have high special attack and now the, the typing that they have uh, doesn't screw them over. So a Pokemon like Sneasel, for, uh, for instance. Sneasel is a dark and ice Pokemon. Before in Gen 2 when Sneasel first came out, both of those types were special types. So if you used Ice Beam or Ice Punch, right. it didn't matter. Both of those are special moves. The problem was that Sneasel had a super high attack stat and a yep. super low special stat, special special attack stat, which meant all the moves it could learn that were its type did jack shit. And all the moves that it could actually do damage on weren't its type, so it, it had a lot of disadvantages. Hey, and, and that's it just why made Sneasel Coromon is fucking cool that you can go in and just beef <laughs> that up. There you go. There you go. Coromon, better game than Pokemon. We've been saying it for years. Um, yes, but uh, this this game has added the physical special split, even though it's based on Fire Red and Leaf Green, which is a Gen three Pokemon game. So that's kind of cool. Um, it's got Pokemon and types from the new game, so it has fairy types. Uh, when you get to that first area, you're not just finding Centrets 
and uh, and whatever the and uh, and hoot hoots, but you're finding Taylo, you're finding Starlies, you're you're finding all okay. sorts of Pokemon. Not not from every generation. I I don't. I think it's I think it's Gen five and before. Maybe it's Gen six before because there are because there is there is Fairy type, there is Steel type, that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, uh, anyway, I really like how they show there, there's a there's a new visual indicator that I don't think has been in other Pokemon games that I remember. Uh, there's a little visual indicator next to the next to the opponent's Pokemon and next to your Pokemon when you select your moves, and it's just two little rectangular bars stacked on top of each other, and those bars are different colors, and the the colors represent the typing of the Pokemon. So if huh. it's uh, if it's like a hoot hoot, it it is a little aqua blue for flying type, and uh, and a gray color for normal type, and you can it, it gives you a better idea of like oh I know what I'm facing now if you if you for some reason didn't know what every single Pokemon's typing was, which you know sometimes you, you forget there are a lot yeah, of fucking yeah, yeah. Pokemon these days. Well, especially those um, earlier ones, they didn't do a great job of it. Yeah, so it's nice to it's nice to have, and and some things have changed. Like uh, like right. some a Pokemon like Togekiss went from normal flying to fairy flying, and and it's nice to just have a visual indicator in this game that says these are what these Pokemon are, yep. and give you a better idea of it. They also have changed uh, some UI on the the attacks themselves. So if you hover over an attack that would be super effective, it is in green now when you hover over it. That's versus great. an attack that would be uh, not very effective is, uh, I think, orange, and then one that wouldn't be effective at all is in red. Um, so Makes just super, super smart little stuff that they're they're just playing with the AI of the game or playing with the UI of the game, and I think doing some really cool things with it. Um, uh, they also give you an early team wide experience share, like they like they have in in later Pokemon games. You can turn it on and off though, so it's not as oppressive as it is in uh, in Shining Pearl and, and Brilliant Diamond. And that's that's just a, a nice little addition. You yeah. also get experience when you catch Pokemon. I can't remember when they added that in. Was that Sun and Moon? Maybe. Uh, I no, I think that that was um, wasn't that X and Y. Is that X and Y? You, I might be X and Y. I'll pull um, so, you keep talking. So just more more times where you can gain more experience. That way you're not you're not punished for catching a Pokemon. And I think that's kind of nice. Uh, there's a toggle to just auto run, which is which is very nice. So you're you're just constantly running. There's also a bike in this game too, but um, the auto run makes it pretty quick. It was X and Y, but then also Omega and. Uh... Omega Ruby Alpha Sapphire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so every, everything after X and Y. Cool. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, it's it's got it gives you the option of whether you want to be a boy or a girl. But the cool thing is, so in in um in in Pokemon Gold and Silver, you could only play as the boy, and then in Pokemon Crystal, that's when they introduced the the girl. Her name was mm -hmm. well, I don't think she's got. Does she have a specific name in Crystal? I know she's known as Chris these days, K R I S. Okay. Um, but you were you were given that option in Crystal. But then in the remakes in Heart Gold and Soul Silver, it's a different female trainer altogether. Uh, huh. Crystal or Chris had a had like a blue hairstyle that had like two uh, like jig jaggy uh, ponytails, and uh, and 
this this other character in in uh, Heart Gold Soul Silver did not. So the the female option is back to Chris. I think that's just a cool little touch that's in yeah. there. And if you whichever character you don't choose ends up being a third uh, ends up being an extra rival character. So you still have the the bad guy, the the rival from from Gold and Silver, whose name is canonically Silver. Uh, That's great. He's the one who's he's the one who steals the Pokemon at the beginning from the lab. He's still in there, but then for me, Chris is now uh, a third character who is one of the professor's assistants, and she shows up as like a friendly rival who who's like, "Hey, how's it going? Let's let's have a battle instead of hey." What are you doing here? Let's have a battle. Uh, so it's it's nice to just have another character that's that's dealing with some extra Pokemon. That's so that's that's a nice little change into it. It's a it's a nice little change. They've actually added a lot of new little scripted sequences. the The second gym leader oh. in in Gold and Silver's name is Bugsy, and okay. he shows up a couple different times outside of the gym to take on Team Rocket, or, hey, Team Rocket's here, We I need to drive them out. These guys are bad guys. And and it's cool to just have a few little extra scenarios to sure. see some of these characters fleshed out a little bit more than they were in, in Gen 2, for sure, and even in HeartGold, SoulSilver. Uh, nice that they're just, the, the, the developer here, that the, the ROM hacker made a, made a little extra effort to, to put these things in. Um... It has unlimited TMs, which was something that was added in Generation 5, which is Always so nice good. Yeah, Gen 5. Um, that is so good. I've, unlimited TMs are the best. Yep. Uh, it also has move tutors that, that will teach any Pokemon, uh, or not any Pokemon, teach, they will teach their moves as many times as you want for free, so that's nice. Um, it has... It has HM moves, but it doesn't have HMs. It, it okay. kind of does the it kind of does the um, the um, which which game took away T uh, took away HMs was that that was that was Alola right that was Gen Seven yes I think so it it kind of has the rides the Pokemon rides like it did in in Sun and Moon but they're items that that go into your key item pouch. Nice. But they, they, it's not just, hey, I can use Cut wherever now. You have to have a Pokemon of a certain type in your party to use it, but it's not a move that takes up one of their move slots. So to use Cut, you need to have a Steel, Grass, or Bug Pokemon, I think, in your party. But if you have one of those, you're fine, and, and sure. it, doesn't, it doesn't take up a move slot. You can just use it freely. And I think that's a, a more interesting way to do it, where you still have a little bit of strategy. Hey, I need to I need to construct a team that can that is able to use cut, but I don't need to have cut as a, a shitty attack that I that I have on my team that is wasting a slot. And I think that's a, a nice yeah, a nice balance there. And uh, and that's uh, that's honestly pretty much it. Uh, I know there's I know there's much more. Again, I'm I'm going into the third gym, so there's a lot more to this game. I, I think it has a lot of extra post game content to it. Um, I know it has mega evolutions, and I'm I'm interested to see more about how that stuff gets integrated. 
but I'm I'm really liking it. I've got a I've got a cool team of of Pokemon early uh, yeah. because this is a ROM hack. They they usually change the way some evolutions work. So now I think you only need to level up an Onix when they're wearing a metal coat to be able oh. to to evolve it into a Steelix. So you don't have the trade evolution problem that you would with some other Pokemon. I know for for Alakazam it levels up with a twisted spoon as Kadabra. To uh, to change to an Alakazam, so just some nice touches because yeah. hey, this is a ROM hack. You're probably playing this alone, and you're not going to be able to connect to other to other games. I think it has a lot of smart stuff to it, and I'm really really liking it. And I'm also loving playing it on an emulator because I can just speed up the game anytime I want, and it's very convenient. <laughs> it's so extremely convenient. Pokemon GS Chronicles. You're emulating that on your analog pocket. Uh, no. Apparently Johnny can, but for whatever reason it is not working. It's not that it's not working on my pocket, it's not working on my EverDrive that, that has the that has okay. my ROMs on it. What, it's when not you, working when on you're not recording the show, you have a lot of time to get those things ready to go, so, I mean, Who's the who's the sucker here? You or him? I've tried I've tried many times. I've I've tried deleting deleting that and putting it back on. I've tried getting older versions. Uh, it just doesn't want to work for whatever reason. So I'm playing this on my laptop and it's just fine there. Uh, I can hook up my my Nintendo Switch Pro controller and it plays plays great. So that's that's, great. that's perfectly good. Um, let's see. I've been playing. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't going to. But then, uh, then I remembered, hey, there's a new Destiny season that starts this week. Dude, so, uh, I, am, I, 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 I sincerely think I am done with Destiny. I have not touched hardly anything I, after buying it. I know. I think I'm but done. You've been done before, and then you'll come back for whatever reason when I don't even tell you to. I think um, I'm done. I think I'm done this I, time. I'm going to say I don't I don't see a reason at the moment for you to come back for this one. Um, yeah. I, again, I'm I'm incredibly early, but it's I, I think it's going to be a solid a solid DLC. It's got a couple couple of cool things. They brought back the Trespasser sidearm from Destiny One, which is the uh, which is the RoboCop gun. It's a really cool gun. Which is which is pretty good. I, I do want to say feels a little bit weird talking about. Uh, talking about video game guns uh, after we've we've just had yet another school yeah. shooting, and that's that's shitty. I understand, um, but I hope you also understand that these are the pew pew space space guns, and uh, and, and sometimes that's just nice. And I don't necessarily think uh, yeah, I, shooting shooting an alien in Destiny is the same thing as promoting gun culture. My, my yeah. nephew turns five on Monday. And yep. he has asked me multiple times about Transformers, which I don't fucking know much about them. And they're, they're robots in disguise. I, I know that much. He's also okay. a big, he's a big Lego kid. And All right. I've had my brother asking me like, Hey, what color Transformer did you get him? I'm like, dude, I'm not telling you. You'll see on, on Monday. He's like, cause he's very peculiar about this. But then today when I was talking to my brother, they were asking me, do the Transformers have guns? And I was like, I don't think so. I don't believe so. Because I got them like for a younger age bracket. But let me go take a look. Thankfully, they did not. But the fact yeah. that like, you know, those are things that it's 
And those are it, laser PPU guns too. That's why I brought that. Right. And, and it's a, it's a weird time and everyone's even more sensitive right now than, than normal. But also we, we've been in this country enough. We know that another one's probably statistically on the way. Um, but anyway, I, and I appreciate you bringing that up. I, it's just a situation yeah. where like, we have, it just to, feels weird talking about, talking well, about video and we game also guns ask while, ourselves, like, do we, so what do we, or don't we talk about on the show? Yeah. Definitely. And we talk um, a lot about things. So, yeah. But but let me say, the the Trespasser is a pretty cool pretty feeling gun. sidearm. Uh, yep. It feels, feels great. They've made some upgrades to it from its Destiny 1 version. I think it's probably the best it's ever been. And it's the it's the seasonal one. So you get it as soon as you start. And it just, it's great. It's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, they brought back the Leviathan. You remember the Leviathan? The that was ship. the big ship. The big yeah. ship that Callus uh, was on. That was the first raid in Destiny Two. So that ship has anchored itself on the moon. Uh, and Bobby, you remember the the Dead Man's Tail mission that we went on, where you went through, went through that derelict ship that yeah. had all that, that, really that cool. uh, fucked up stuff in it. Very cool. Uh, all that stuff has happened to the Leviathan now. So oh. it is it is covered in specters and haunted shit and it's overgrown and uh it it seems it seems fucked up in some cool ways uh so it's it's cool to explore that as a normal space and not as a raid anymore but to see these places that we've we've seen going through the actual raid of the leviathan yeah and seeing how it's changed that part's really cool and they've also brought back a lot of the guns uh, and, and armor from the Season of Opulence, which was quite a while ago. But those those are the guns that had the uh, the gold gold trim and I some purple like orb guns. stuff. Uh, they they had some there. There were a couple that I liked the the main versions of them. And they this were like the Opulence versions of them that had that extra trim on them. Uh, but a lot of these, a lot of these are now craftable, and and you can make them into whatever you want. Uh, one of my favorite submachine guns was the Mida Mini Tool, and in Opulence they made the Callus Mini Tool, which is basically the same thing. And that one is craftable now, so I'm looking forward to uh, to taking taking a trip through one of my favorites, one of my old favorites, and yeah. uh, building it building it just for me. Uh, they also made uh, they also changed. You know how they changed the void. Subclass so solar now, last right? season. They did Solar 3.0 for this season, and I think it has some interesting changes. I, I play as a Titan, mostly, and I think some of those changes have been um, pretty disappointing. Oh, boy. In my, in my opinion. Um, some ways of doing extra damage have been taken away from Titans, and uh, some of that utility is, is kind of gone, and I think it's Kind of sucky, because I would usually play as a Solar Titan. Well, you can't um, have fun in that game. That's true. They, they take away all the fun. There is, there is one fun new move as the Titan, specifically of, though. There is... Uh, so if you're, if you're running, if you're sprinting, you can start to slide. And then if you do your melee as you're sliding, you will come up and do like a, a big uppercut with two hammers, two of the, the throwing hammers. That sounds so all right. So you come up and you'll do a big wave of fire damage, but then you'll be up in the air, and then you can hit melee again, and you'll crash down your two hammers to do another big wave, and it does huge damage, and it is just 
fun as hell to do, and it looks so damn good. Uh, that I really like. That's a that's a cool new thing they added. Um, that's really cool. So I, I'm I'm having a decent time with it, but I will say I was kind of regretting or not regretting. I was kind of um, I was not looking forward to this new season, and uh, and playing through it. I think they've got some cool stuff to it, but I am also not as enamored with Destiny right now as I've been in past sure. seasons. So, uh, who knows? Maybe maybe I'll get out of it for a bit, but it's Destiny, so I'm sure it'll pull me back in. Last thing for me, Bobby. Mystery game. You want to oh take boy. a guess what the mystery is? It's a game uh... I've talked about on the show before. It's been somewhat in the news recently. You're playing... Tiny Tina, or some sort of Blizzard wow, game. Wow, na- you nailed it. You nailed it. These are the things that I love. Uh, no, I finished The Longing. The what? Do you remember The Longing, Bobby? The the Longing? The Longing. L-O-N-G-I-N-G. No. This was the game about the little shade, who uh, you are underground, and there is a king... That says, wake me up in 400 days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that one. Well, guess what, Bobby? It's been 400 days since we last talked about the longing. What? I, I set up a reminder on my phone to, to wake up the king, uh, which meant I had to re-download the game because obviously I had deleted that game a while ago after like the first week of playing it because I didn't think it was all that special. Um, I wasn't having that great of a time with it, but I kept the reminder on my phone. So here's what happened. The reminder goes off on my phone, says, hey, you need to wake up the king in the longing. And I went, oh, shit, I do need to do that. (laughs) So (laughs) I immediately went to my Switch. I had to re-download the game. That's fine. Um, And then I open it, and uh, the the game goes, hey... Wait a minute. Actually, okay. I didn't. I don't think I had to re-download the game. Now that I think about it, I think it was. It, I think it was just on the system because because this wouldn't have worked the other way. Um, so when I load up the game, it had to go through an update. That's what it was. It had to go through an update. I go through the update. That's fine. Uh, and then I get into the game, and it's starting to tick down. I see how much time it is, and it says like two minutes. Uh, two minutes until it's ready. Until it's done. Until I'm supposed to wake up the king. Uh, and I'm not sure what happens here. I'm not sure if I need to physically wake up the king or if something just happens at this time uh, and I need to be there for it when it happens. Sure. So I'm like, oh, shit, two minutes. Okay, I got two minutes left. I can, I, can get, I can get there. And the game goes, hey, I see what you're trying to pull. You've been changing the time on us. You've what? changed the internal clock on your Switch. And that's a no-no. You can't do that shit. Oh, and I no. Went, I went, no, what are, you, what are you talking about? I haven't done that. And then I remembered, of course you did. You played all that Animal Crossing where you, yep. you time-traveled all the fucking time. It's just that you haven't played the longing since you did that to know. And the game says, okay, you know what? Everybody, everybody makes mistakes. You can, you can uh, fix this by hitting the A button 200 times. And then we'll absolve you of that guilt. Oh my god. And I look at the clock, and it's like, yeah, you got two minutes left, buddy. And I'm like, oh shit. So now I'm just pounded on my switch, and like, I need to get past these 200 clicks as much as, as fast as oh, I can. No. So I'm just, I'm just tapping away, I'm tapping away, I'm tapping away. I finally get done, 
Uh, there's there's still a decent amount of time left. There's like a minute and a half, minute minute fifteen seconds, uh, and it goes okay. Well, now you need to close the game and open the game back up again, uh, and don't do that again. I got to close the game. Goddamn! So so I close the game immediately and I open it back up, and I get back in there. And thankfully, I left the game at the throne room. I'm right next to the king, so I'm not I'm not anywhere in this weird underground space where I'd have to. Uh, to very slowly get the shade to come back to the spot that I need to be in, I was just right there, and I—it's got like ten seconds left on the clock. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, I made it. Um, also, when it counts down to zero, you just can wake the king at that point. So I—I I really wasn't under a time crunch, but cool sure. that it happened that way, I suppose. Um, so it goes okay. Do you want to wake up the king? I go. Sure, that's what I'm here for. Let's do it. Uh, and and things kind of crumble around, and the king uh, breaks free from the stalag stalactites that are that are holding them, that are that are attached to his crown in the cave. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he breaks through, and he says, "Like, hey, thanks for waking me up." Uh, your reward is that I'm going to destroy the entire world and you'll never have to wait on anything ever again because you and I are going to be the only things left in this nothingness. And the screen goes black and it gives you a few little lines of, uh, little lines of story and then it says, your longing is over. And I went, huh, that's, that's kind of interesting. And then nothing happens. And it just continues to say your longing is over. And it got to the point of like, okay, I don't think we're gonna, I don't think there's gonna hit credits or anything's happening here. You know, let's close the game. What happens if I open the game back up again? I close the game, I open the game back up again, and it says your longing is over. And I'm like, holy shit, this game, (laughs) they did it. They just did it. That's so interesting. Um, So I think I'd have to completely delete the save files to do this again. And, and start the clock back over. Um, I did then look it up online, and there are multiple endings. I think there are five in total. Um, and, I, and I got the generic ending, the one where you wake up the king. You did the thing he told you to in the game. Um, but there are also a, a couple other endings. There's an ending where, I, I guess if you were exploring in the game, you can find this, this place that's the bottom of a well, and you can go up that well, and I, I, it must be whether it's criteria, different criteria that you've done, or maybe it's a different day, or how much time is left on the clock when you when you get up there. But there's a place where you get up to the top of the well, and there's an old guy there, and the old guy just adopts you as 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 one of his Weird. two sons, and they they clean you off, and you're. You're like a, you're just a real part of the family there. So that is the the quote unquote that is one of the quote unquote good endings. Huh. Uh, there's also an ending where you come up that same well and the son, the actual son of uh, the old guy, is there, but he takes one look at you and is super scared, and you fall back down the well and you crack your head um, and you die, and that's the end of the game. That's a good. Ending. Uh, the, there's an ending where you. Uh, decide that you don't want to wait for the king anymore and you just jump off a cliff that has an endless abyss and that's how that's how it can end and then i think that there's some ending i think this is the the 
the truest, best ending possible that I, I imagine if you've done everything that game has to offer, you go into a, a dream state where you imagine yourself as a king and you're like flying on a Pegasus and, and that is also an ending that you can get. So huh. uh, I, I thought that was, I thought it was interesting. I didn't, I don't think I loved that game that much. Uh, it, it had some, yeah, some neat little things that you like could it. do, but it just, it, I know it was purposefully moving very slowly, but it was just so sluggish to do anything in that game that I just wasn't patient enough to enjoy it. And uh, but hey, right. my longing has ended. Congrats. I woke the goddamn king. It's done, uh, and and I guess I'm glad. I'm glad I went. I went and saw it that way, and it was kind of fun. The the hoops I had to jump through at the very end. Uh, to be able to to make that work, so I thought I would give you my final update on the longing. Glad you did. My longing is over. Your longing is over. Bobby, All what right. have you been playing? I've been playing a lot, Chase. Um, I will do my best to work through this stuff here at a quick. Um, Johnny was going to talk. I, I mentioned last week um, V Rising, and I've put a lot more time into that game since we last spoke. I was going to let Johnny talk about it because he's been enjoying it. Um, we're supposed to stream it Friday night. I'm going to be streaming that game uh, Friday night with or without Johnny. Um, and that will be a really good time. That game rules. Um, I could see how you would say at a glance, oh, this is just isometric Valheim. But it does a lot of really cool shit. Who would say such a thing? Um, one of the things that I really appreciate about it is uh, you are managing a, a blood source in the game. Like you have to use blood to heal yourself and there's other things, blood essence that you, you need to build with. But uh, as you whittle away on creatures, bystanders or enemies, at a certain point, you get the notification to feed. And if you do that, after the word feed, there's a percentage. So when you first, when you see your blood orb, it's like really dirty looking blood. And um, if there's an archer or if there's a warrior or if there's a bear or just a human servant, um, the percentage represents what level of their blood you're going to get. And if you hover over that, going all the way to 100%, it's going to have buffs, boons, and abilities that you will get depending on the percentage of blood you have of that type of person. So like, let's say that you were going for mm -hmm. more melee combat versus range combat, or you wanted to be faster at cutting down trees and mining, you would maybe want to get your blood back to where it needed to be at that level. And there's different things you get based off of like 10%, 30%, et cetera. And that's whoa, whoa. so is it, is it different levels of blood or is it different types of blood? Both. Okay. So, so it's it's like oh you've got fifty percent you're you've got fifty percent bear blood now so you're yeah. you're as strong as a bear you can do whatever the yep. you can you can punch shit yep. versus okay now you got seventeen percent of a human but you also else. have to use your blood to heal yourself and so you if you're okay. doing that and there's things that you have as like a, a consumable that just fills that back up but it makes your blood like zero nothing neutral yeah okay. So let's say that you're fighting people and you're like needing to heal. You have to start to ask yourself, do I want to sacrifice? I'm, I'm at 40% uh, 
warrior you're blood, losing is... buffs by yep. Yep. taking heals interesting can you can you keep multiple kinds of blood at the same time or just no, one it swaps it yeah, out. okay so yeah. it goes okay you you went from your 50 percent bare blood to okay you you, uh, you fed on a human so now you're okay gotcha interesting and it's a That's, cool little mechanic hmm okay um the other thing is is that there's shape shifting in it so if you want to traverse more you can turn into a wolf and the nice thing about that is is when you're a wolf other wolves won't attack you other animals won't attack Classic you vampire thing they are they're always turning into wolves that's that's why they call them vampires vam vampire wolves um yeah uh-huh. but the there the crafting is really cool i like it quite a bit um and that game's taken off like there's been large concurrent players on steam it's very positive it's an early access um cool shit there so v rising i was gonna let johnny update on that but that's the weekly update tune in friday night to watch that live is uh, is valheim getting an update at some point they're doing has, this, has there been i, I haven't kept yeah, up on yeah that, they, they just introduced the Mistlands, which was uh the the long promised biome with that there's a bunch of new shit i i put like 200 plus hours into that game and i I was like, you're going to lose everything because they're going to do like a server type thing or that's going to change. So oh. I don't know if that's the case or not. I was just in my head okay. like telling myself okay. that. So I, I can't imagine they would do that. That would be. <sighs> I mean, satisfa- be Satisfactory did it. Um, Hard Space, the game I'm going to talk about, has done it a handful of times. It, But is is was Valheim still in early access or was that the game oh, yeah. and now they're adding stuff to it no no no. they're okay. it's still early access for sure okay interesting. so okay. I'm, I'm i'm kind of like pumping the brakes there and we'll talk a little bit about that right. now as i talk about hard space shipbreaker a game hell yeah i adore and uh we've talked about it on the show before quite a bit actually you but streamed it, just, it a number of times yep it just hit 1.0 and uh, a brief history and time here. This game started off as a sandbox. You have your shipyard where you're you're dismantling ships. Uh, you have a furnace, you have a processor, and you have a barge, and you're just kind of figuring out what parts need to go where. Fast forward to today, which I think they've had like a two-year run almost, uh, close to two years for early access on this game. They've got a full voice acting crew. There is three acts in the game now. There's a complete narrative line. And what I want to highlight really quick is is a game that would just be kind of like, this is a sim, like a space destruction sim, you know, like it kind of looks that way. This game has a lot to say about labor and labor laws. And it's very relevant, I think, to what we've been seeing in the news for big corporations where there's people wanting to form unions. And I don't want to go too much in the story beats because I've only gotten to act one or the end of act one, but it's really cool, man. Uh, the seems like no... a really good game to play in parallel with citizen sleeper. I know there's like that, that part in citizen sleeper, you were, you were, you were literally cutting up ships and I, the idea of having, having those experiences happening at similar times would be really cool the... to me. Uh, Gareth, I think is his name from the, the guy from Jump Over the Age. That, that's the developer for Citizen Sleeper. Mm-hmm. They put out a congratulatory tweet to Hard Space, and the artist for Citizen Sleeper redid the key art for Hard Space with one of their style. Oh, that's so good. You should look it up. Oh, it's, it's hell, awesome. I'm looking it up right now. 
and uh it's that that shot of the cutter using the laser gun on the side of a ship they redid it to make it look like it was out of citizen sleeper funny you bring that up um it's very very good um that has been a game that I first started playing in conjunction to Satisfactory, which was a game about building up and having all the scrap and waste. And then it was just really weird to be playing a game where you were left with it. Um, I think that game has a lot to say. It's, I can tell you right now, it will be one of my favorite things that comes out this year. It's been one of my favorite things for a few years now, but now that I can officially put it on a list, it will absolutely be on one. We're gonna stream that game Monday night, maybe for a couple Mondays. Um, it'll be a very laid back stream where you can watch me try not to hurt myself, but also like Chase and I can just riff and talk because it's one of those games. So, um, I, I love the way that game feels. The physics of that game are astounding. It's got an amazing soundtrack in the story. I'm just impressed that they put a story in a game that probably didn't even at one point in time think to have one, which is really cool. So hard spaceship breaker. Um, oh, it's on Game Pass, which is really cool. That that launched on PC Game Pass alongside it being on Steam. Um, nice. I think it's it's also discounted down. So they raised the price up from early access to like $35, but it's heavily discounted on Steam uh, as of May 25th. You should check it out. Uh, really great work there. It's an amazing thing. More to come Bobby, on. this art is so fucking cool. I just Isn't found that, it. You found it? Isn't it great? That's so good. Isn't that great? That's so good. Uh, Man, that's good stuff. That's it's really cool. Um, so another game that we've talked about and actually did a quick look of a demo on um, is a little game called Floppy Nights. This yeah. just came out uh, on the 24th of May. It's on Game Pass as well, which I'm really excited about. And I am here to tell you that I think that's a really cool game. It is a... Uh, grid-based, kind of advanced wars looking at times, um, deck builder. And you are uh, a young a young adult, not really a young adult, I guess you're like a teen. Yeah, that, you're a cool, cool kid. Yeah, cool kid. You've constructed this computer arm that can use floppy disks to load out floppy knights, which will fight against you and for you. And it's it's not doing anything that you probably haven't seen in a game. The, the one thing I dig, which is not even the only game that does it, you get a free move, a free attack. And I think that's really helpful from a strategy standpoint. They also have a card that I like a whole lot that uh, the, the characters are, are kind of uh, vegetable based also, like they deal with, mm -hmm that but there's it's called reap and sow and uh the card flips every time you use it and the first one which is um so you get to move it's a move function a pretty far move and then once you do that it flips over and it becomes an attack and you can just keep playing that card back and forth move attack move attacking it extra sure. so it's a really cool card um i i don't want to say that this is like baby's first strategy game by any stretch but i think it is because it's it's got a challenge to it i i do think it's not very complicated and i think that it has a really fun art style that makes you feel pretty good about getting into it yeah it's got a it's got like a simple look to it but i think that hides that it does have some strategy behind it and 
and but man, that art is that art is just very friendly. Yeah, I I really like what they're doing with that. It, it seems like a neat game. This isn't a roguelike, right? This so this is a strategy no. deck builder, but you are. It's got like the not, Donkey okay. Kong Country overworld. So like right. you'll go you'll go into a hub, and there's like three or four stops, and there there is a story beat going with that. Um, like the first world you're in, you get hired by somebody to come in there, and you have to run these people off of their property because they're stealing the vegetables. And there ends up being like a four level story that gets told over that about the person on the run, which it's it's really cool. I I was going to bring this up in the next game, but I'll bring it up now because it's relevant as well. I got something the past week that I'm very excited about, which is my shiny Steam Deck. And I am playing this game exclusively via the cloud streaming through Game Pass on here. And it's been awesome. It's great. It works wonderful. I've enjoyed it immensely playing the game that way. Uh, I've played, I I loaded it up once on my PC just as like when it came out and I got that save there and I can bounce back and forth between my installed version here and on my, my steam deck. And it's been a lot of fun. I'm so jealous. Uh, Chase, the last time you and I hung out on Twitch, what night was that? Monday? Uh, Monday. Okay. Since Monday, Mm-hmm. Actually, since like right after we wrapped up the stream Monday, yeah, I've put about eight hours into a game called Apple. Eight. <laughs> eight. Eight. Damn, uh, that's uh, that's some Digimon Cybersleuth with time. Uh, yeah. Well, I saw an update. Wait, on you that said day. you said you put eight hours into the Intellivision Amico. Yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Oh, uh, cool. No. Did you get you get Tommy to come and talk to you? I, about I got Tommy. Uh, Apico came out on Apico. I'm sorry, Apico came out on May 20th, which was I think also like World B Day. Oh, okay. I I forgot what this was, and then I saw one screenshot, and I went, "Oh, I I remembered exactly what this was." You. We learned of this at the end of one of our quick looks that we, yeah. right after we were done recording one of our quick looks, we, uh, we caught on to this. Yeah. Um, God damn it. This game is fucking awesome. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying my time with it. This is a... Of course you are. Yeah. It's different. It's a little different than those other ones. So this is a, it's a beekeeping survival simulator. Um, Mm -hmm. apparently I, I didn't even know this. There was a mod. So I haven't, I haven't played a lot of Minecrafts for probably the better part of a decade at this point in time, but they've added a lot to that game. And one of the things they added into Minecraft was bees and somebody made a mod. I think it's called like the forest of bees or something like that for Minecraft that this game is kind of based off this mod. And, um, this is a very chilled out, very laid back game where you end up on these islands and you are now, uh, you can cut down trees, you can bust up stones and you can build little uh, homes or huts or whatever you want to call them. But the whole thing about this game is that you are learning about bees and you are going to end up breeding bees. You're going to be harvesting honey. You're going to then take all those things that you've been getting 
and then sell it to people in the area. So it's like Stardew Valley in some ways. Um, it's just very pleasant, and I am so hooked on what it's doing. I it, It's got some amazing quality of life stuff from like menu systems and how you can snap grids and all this other shit. But all that to say, uh, this tiny little developer, uh, which I think is like TN Engineers or something like that, they bit, they made a version for the Steam Deck that's compatible. And so I've played this all but maybe 20 minutes on my Steam Deck. And it's been a perfect fucking game to have on there. And uh, there's some really wild stuff that you're doing. So there's different colored beehives and there's all these different breeds of bees. But each of these bees has you know, traits that you can start to uncover. Like, so you need to craft microscopes. And as you're doing that, you're learning more about the behaviors and the patterns of these bees. And then you can start to do crossbreeding. And as you're doing crossbreeding of the bees, that's also opening up some stuff from animal crossing. That was a big deal, which was like the flowers because the pollination aspect mm -hmm. of it. Sure. So depending on what uh, bee, what's the that? developer is T in the letters T N engineers, T engineers. Yes. Yeah. Um, but you start to do this stuff where it's like, all right, well that be likes this and this be likes that. If you get their honey, you're going to be able to extract seeds from the honey. And in doing that, you're going to get hybrid flowers that you can plant, which gets more bees in the area. There's different biomes you can go into. There's like a town's board where somebody's like, Hey, I want a common bee that's nocturnal. Well, those bees by their nature are not nocturnal bees. There are nocturnal bees. So you have to figure out what bee is nocturnal. Then you have to figure out how to craft out, you know, the right environment to have a queen come in and then have offspring that would inherit those traits and make a common bee that is nocturnal. Kind of interesting. Uh, that kind of reminds me of uh, potion craft that you, yeah. that you talked about before, yeah. where people come in and have these specific needs that require you to try out different combinations of things. Uh, the other thing about this game is it is multiplayer, which is cool. Um, I have not played with anybody else, but I could see there being a lot of fun fun to be had there. Um, be had, I get it. The, oh, they are full of B puns. One of them that I like a whole lot. How is, could they not? I know. So V-Sync, which is like a frame rate thing that you can get on PCs. Sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's B-Sync on this game. Is it now? Wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's very clever. Does anyone uh, tell you to buzz off? Uh, I have not had that happen yet, but one of the cool okay. things about this game is, is that, uh, uh, you, you just have a hammer to undo, like break down shit that you've made. Uh, you can take a hammer to any of the NPCs in the game and just move them where you want them to be. So like if, if you wanted to have an NPC near where you were at, because they are, uh, buying, selling, whatever to save you some, some trips, you can do that, which funny little thing they do. That's that is kind of silly. I like that. Uh, I, I think that we are going to quick look this game for sure. And sure. Um, I don't know where I'll stream it, but uh, it's a really, really cool game. And I'm very much into it. It's $20. Um, the developer is... I, there's there's one weird thing I ran into. So the, the Steam Deck is running he's like basically made a version of this game for linux or they've made it for linux i don't want to assume anything here mm. um and 
the the cloud save through Steam, the way that that's set up for this, it's not, it doesn't recognize the Linux version of it. And I got onto like the the Steam forum posts and I was just like, hey, this is what's going on. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought that this was just kind of like pointing the save directory that way Steam does. Like I'll look into it. Uh, there is like, you can load in a version. So on the Steam Deck, you can change compatibility stuff with cloud saves and it, okay. it, it this makes the game the pc version because the the ui has been done in a way that works really well for this so i can play it that way and be be very fine and be it'd be okay but i like the way it looks for the steam deck version and i've just decided that even for the quick look like i can just capture it off here if i want to and this is the way i want to sure. play it um well it's I, nice that the developer is catering to you one percent steam deck fucks um I know. But once I become one of those people, then I'm going to be very glad you did that. Yeah. If I play this, if I play this game, this book. I, I I think you. I, I really do think that you would like it. Um, the the idea of it being very chill and because yeah. the the thing I hate most in these in these kinds of games or whenever they put you on a clock, that's why something like Don't Starve is, despite how much I love Clay. Uh, Don't Starve is maybe one of my nightmare games. I just do not like anything about it. Um, but something that's a little bit more laid back. I mean, I played I played all of Forager, uh, and that game that game I think has a lot in common from a at least at the very least from a visual standpoint, but yeah. also um, that that top down that cutting, cutting down material gathering crafting stuff it, it seems all right i don't i don't love crafting games as much anymore but uh this one has an interesting thing with the bees that uh it might be worth checking out one thing I'll call i, I look out, forward to the quick yeah the one thing i'll call out on just a neat thing about the steam deck here for this is that the game like on pc whenever you are cutting wood down not when you're chopping a tree, but when you're making planks, there's a interface where you basically have to grab this white circle and slide it back and forth like you're sawing. There's things that you get later on in the game that will like automate that for you, but it's a bit tedious. And I think by nature, it's a bit tedious mm-hmm. on the steam deck, even playing with the, the controllers, there's those two pads that are t- that are mouse pads on this. And as I'm playing, this isn't going to translate well for those listening to the show. Whenever that menu comes up, I just take my thumb and go back and forth really quick on that. Ah, okay. It's so awesome. And it like that alone makes me want to play it here versus with my mouse, like sliding my mouse back and forth. Sure. It's just a more natural way to come down, chop the wood, and then get back to it. It's It's been really great. Really, really nice. great. I mean, as to bring to bring it back to Destiny slightly, that is still the thing I probably hate the most about Destiny is the on console. It still gives you that cursor, and that cursor moves so fucking slowly. Yeah, and it is it's just a pain in the ass. And I'm sure PC players don't have a problem at all with that anymore. But it nope. is it is not. I I think it's a it's a cop out way to to have your to have navigation of UI. Um, it, it just doesn't feel very good, but it feels fine enough that nobody's going to make that big of a stink about it. There's, it just, I just think it kind of sucks. So, like, it'll default for any game that would, like, support both a controller and a mouse and keyboard on here. It's going to default to the controller. But sure. there's a Steam. Like, it's just called Steam. It's like a home button over on the left. 
if you hold that button down, it automatically brings the mouse up on any game. Okay. And, and so nice. if you're if you are in a menu where it's like this would be easier for me to just use a mouse, like you can just hold that button down, use your thumb really quick, and when you let go of it, you're back to this controller only, which is pretty neat. Nice. Um, so I talked about uh, Hard Spaceship Breaker V Rising. Talked a little bit about Floppy Nights, and then I've lost myself to being a beekeeper in Apico or Apico, and um, I'm really, really, really liking that game a whole hell of a nice. lot. Yeah. Uh, so Chase, this is a deep dive episode and, and we tested out a new format with the last one where we talked about midnight launches and this week, uh, Johnny had the idea to talk about some of our favorite DLC and I'm all for it. I don't know about you, but what, it's harder and harder for me to think back on some of these stories and beats of, of DLC and like really remember, like, I know I liked it. You're right. Like I, I was, I was having this conversation um, earlier today, par- partially with you. Of when I when I think about downloadable content, the the first thing I think about is Minerva's Den. That is sure. Bioshock Two Minerva's Den. Like that is that is the one that I people put on on a pedestal. I played it. I remember loving it. Couldn't tell you a goddamn thing about it. Um, so I, right. I did go back and and look it up. And and make sure I remember those beats. Uh, yeah, I, I still think Minerva's Den is probably one of the best DLCs out there. Um, and just a just a interesting self-contained story that was made by uh, by a, a group that ended up mostly turning into Fulbright, the the makers of Gone Home and then Tacoma. Yeah. Um, it's it's just a it's a really good DLC. I don't want to spoil the story stuff, but it has some some interesting ties into rapture and and bioshock one and two yep. but at the same time it tells its own story and it does some other things and and you play as a big daddy and you play as a prototype big daddy and uh they they do some cool things with that it's it is that high watermark i suppose for dlc but uh it's not on my list and it's not on yours uh partially because we just didn't remember it uh, um but but that leads to what what do we remember what do we like yeah. And uh, and I think that's an interesting conversation. It's a again, it's a shame Johnny can't be here. I know it was his his topic, uh, but we have we have postponed it a little bit, so we time time to get it out there and get it done. Um, yeah. So with this, want to I want to put a couple of arbitrary ground rules, at least for what I'm going to be talking about. You don't have to follow them. I don't know what what things you're about to bring up, so who knows? Maybe you follow these, maybe you don't. Um, the one of the other things that comes up comes to my mind when I think about DLC um, is in my mind also wrong because I I immediately go to Far Cry Three Blood Dragon, but that is it's that not, is a little different. Standalone. Yeah, it's it's different. It is a standalone expansion. It's not exactly the same thing. I'd feel weird about putting it on there, but that that is a very good standalone expansion. Yeah. Um, I think it's also interesting that DLC is is something that. When we think about the history of gaming, mm-hmm. DLC is not something that's always been there. It's it's something no. that you know really started at horse. least in earnest with uh, yeah with with uh, Elder Scrolls Four Oblivion with horse armor, uh, but on the 360, that is that is kind of when that really happened. I mean, other games had ways of doing this before pc games had expansions and things like that yeah um i can i could think about something like 
Mew from Pokemon that I got as a Toys R Us. That's technically, in a way, some downloadable content of something that isn't in the game initially, but uh, could be transferred in later. Um, I also kind of think about Knuckles from Sonic the Hedgehog, or from Knuckles, uh, Sonic and Knuckles, right. and and putting those cartridges in there. You're not exact. I guess I guess there's some kind of downloading happening to get Knuckles to be in your copy of Sonic the Hedgehog too. Um, so that's kind of in a way downloadable content. But for the most part, we're talking about uh, a, a specific era of video games when we talk about downloadable content. That and that is the last few generations of consoles going from where we are now, PS5 and Xbox Series X, down to Xbox 360, PS3, um, and Wii, I guess. Yeah, the yeah. Wii. Um, so, Bobby, would you would you like to start us out? Uh, I don't think you have to go through what, all of yours. But why, don't why don't we just go through? Read what Johnny had really quick, because that will. Sure. Yeah, yeah. We can we can do that. So Johnny Johnny had a couple here. He had uh, some game called The Witcher Three, which I which the only thing I know about The Witcher Three is that it sucks. Um, <laughs> he had the Hearts of Stone DLC. God, damn it! I knew uh, it what's what's Hearts of Stone? I've heard of. Blood and blood and wine. Yeah, is that one so, of the other ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hearts of Stone is Gontro Dim, which is one of my favorite characters in a video game. Was and, this the first DLC, or was, was yeah. Blood and Wine the first DLC? No, Blood and Wine's what what finished it off. Okay. Uh, gotcha. Gontro Dim is essentially, I mean, for lack of a better way of explaining, he's the devil, and he marks you, and uh, he's incredibly powerful. All kinds of shit you get. To, I mean, he's just. The way that the Joker is, on, like, he's not like the Joker, but like the way that you can't help but watch the Joker in the Dark Knight, and like you're just engrossed when he's on the screen. Like Gontro mm. Dim stole the show. He's got a he's got a charisma to him. He's got great charisma. He's actually at the very beginning of The Witcher Three. You you the little bit that you've played met him. Um, the very first bar you go Probably. into before you fight okay. the Griffin, he's there, and he's very not like I. I didn't even remember him from there when I got to the DLC. When I started one of my other playthroughs of The Witcher, I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that one's really cool. I I, I think people like Blood & Wine better. I love Gontro Dem to the point where that I liked Hearts of Stone much better myself. Okay. That sounds... Um, there was another Oblivion DLC that had a... I think you went to like a, a fairy world and there was there was like a, a fairy king or something and he was similarly this weird charismatic dude that was uh that was very popular. I, I didn't play much of Oblivion. It was but, Tingle uh, from Zelda, wasn't it? There you go. You got him. That's that's yep. our boy. Um Johnny also had Mass Effect 2 Lair of the Shadow Broker. Uh which I I, I, mean, I, love. I, I know I, I remember it. loving it. I you mean, yeah, games. you're the you're the biggest Mass Effect head I know, so I I would yeah. imagine you yeah. played like and loved it, it. That was just some of the reveals with that were great. The battles that you got into on the the Shadowbroker ship were just so. I remember that was like for the longest time, honestly, up until The Witcher. Like I remember that was kind of my golden standard for like what DLC could and should be. And I and I think the the cool thing about the Mass Effect ones maybe maybe cool maybe uncool in a in a same kind of way is that they felt essential these these weren't just side stories especially this one 
this yeah. one completely ties into the events of Mass Effect 3, where, uh, you know, here's here's a bit of a spoiler, but it's a game that's been out for a long time. Uh, you, you end up killing the Shadow Broker at the end yeah. of Lair of the Shadow Broker, and Liara, your potentially girlfriend at the time, um, if you've romanced her, uh, yeah. She becomes the new Shadow Broker. And in, right. in Mass Effect 3, she just is the Shadow Broker. So if in Mass Effect 2 you didn't play that DLC, uh, you might be a little confused as to why your uh, girlfriend might be, uh, might be yeah. one of the most powerful information dealers in the entire system. Which uh, is just kind of interesting. I know the, uh, the Leviathan DLC, also from Mass Effect 2, is yeah. supposed to have... And I know I played it. I just don't remember anything about it. Uh, yep. It's supposed to have some incredibly wide-reaching uh, ramifications for the 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 overall story of Mass Effect, even if it doesn't necessarily affect uh, your Shepard's story uh, and his fight against the Reapers exactly. But I, I think the Leviathan. Can't remember what it was about Leviathan. Was it was it a Reaper itself, or did it fight a different version of the Reapers a long time yeah, ago? Yeah, it was tied into the Reapers. Effect? Okay, um, I just remember that being being another DLC they talked about. Was was that the one that also got lost? Yeah, was... that that one's not. I don't believe that one's in the pack. Legendary edition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they lost yeah, that. They one. they lost they lost the code to it or something, which is. Weird. It's very weird. Um, and then the last one Johnny had, we, we did mention Elder Scrolls a couple times, but uh, not, not Oblivion this time. He's talking about Skyrim, and uh, specifically the Dawnguard DLC that, for is Skyrim. Is that the vampire one? That is the vampire one that, yeah. uh, that introduced crossbows, and yeah. uh, you, could, you could turn into a vampire. Um, I'm pretty sure you could turn into a werewolf in the main game. Or, yes. or maybe in an earlier DLC, I can't remember. There's something, there, yeah. something that there was a group in that first main town that could turn into werewolves, and they could make you into a werewolf, I believe. And I remember I turned into a werewolf and thought that was kind of cool. And then when I played this DLC, I met the big vampire guy, and he like sniffed me and said, "You smell like a werewolf," and that's pretty lame. Yeah. Um, and he gives you the choice. Do you want to be a vampire? And I said, well, hell yeah, I want to be a vampire werewolf. It's going to be fucking cool. I'm going to, it's like, I'm, it's like it's V rising over here. Hell yeah. Um, and he's like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. We're going to, we're going to get rid of all that shitty werewolf blood and you're going to, you're going to be a vampire now. Uh, and at that point I was a little pissed cause I like being a werewolf. Uh, yeah. and, and being a vampire actually had a, a lot of drawbacks to it. Uh, like like being out in the sun was pretty bad, <laughs> um, Not a good place. which meant you had to play Skyrim in the dark all the time, which is the worst way to play Skyrim, if you ask me. Um, but it did bring crossbows. I thought crossbows were were a neat uh, new new weapon in the game. Oh, uh, did you yeah. did you play DLC? I played you have a different every experience than I did? DLC for Skyrim. Wow. Okay. So you you have a much much more experience than I did. What what do you think about Dawnguard? I love Dawnguard. I think that was great. I like the weapons a whole lot. You got some really cool armor. There was an, I, if I remember, there's a really cool sword too. Um, I was just like at that point in time, so excited to have more of a game that really clicked with me. And it was around the time that we, I mean, it was yeah. just a little bit past Mass Effect, which was cool. Like I was, I was really, really happy, really, really happy. Yeah. 
I, I this was this was a time in my life where I was in college, so I ended up having a lot of spare time, and uh, and I played a lot of Skyrim. I know I'm a pretty anti Bethesda person now, and uh, but I I had a pretty good time with that game back in the day, and yeah. uh, I remember playing playing a lot of the main game for sure, but then even playing a little bit of Donkart. But I did think it was pretty lame. Couldn't be a werewolf anymore. That was no that was werewolves. Yep. All right, Bobby. Why don't you tell me? Uh, why don't we? Why don't we go back and forth uh, at this one? Yeah, so, that sounds so good. Um, you're talking too much. What, what do you got? Name, hit, hit me with a DLC. What do you like? Yeah, I, I put down a few here. So I, I mean, I don't know how many. I think it was three. I can't remember. How, I have more than that. But yeah. um, first one I'll, I'll bring up is Shovel Knight. And mm. I think Shovel Knight, they ended up putting out Treasure Trove, which had like five DLC. They, they made a lot of Shovel Knight DLC. But the DLC was really cool because you got to play yeah. as the enemies, which I thought was really neat. And it changed up the gameplay completely. And you got to know a little bit more about these dumb bosses. But like... Do you uh, have a favorite knight? Favorite I, enemy that you played, played as? I... I go back and forth between Plague Knight and Specter Knight on these. Mm. Those are those yeah. are two I, I really like. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Plague Knight that had the more like heartbreaking origins of like why they are the way that they are. Um, but that's just like I, I know that we can say that Yacht Club maybe like use, they spend a little too much time with Shovel Knight, you know, and like they want to see we want to see what else they can do. Yeah. But I I think that this is a really cool. DLC pack and buying the treasure trove bundle, you get a lot of very good value DLC there. Really well Definitely. done stuff. Yeah. I I still occasionally think about buying those amiibos, that three pack of amiibos that has Spectre Knight, uh Plague Knight and and it's uh, a really cool pack. What's the other one? King King Knight? Card Knight? What's there his is, name? King? Yeah, so there is King uh it's called King, King of Knight. Cards was King Knight. King of Cards, yeah. there you go. Uh, yeah, I, that's a that's a good pack. I just haven't found it. That's like I'm not going to use it for the actual amiibo purposes. I just want the cool little figures. I, I, uh, I will still say I know he's an assist trophy, but Shovel Knight deserved to be an actual playable character in Smash Brothers. Been cool, would have been cool. He would have been perfect yeah. with the amiibos and everything there. Like that, this would have been a really good character to bring over. I I don't disagree. Um, and I think Yacht Club has said they are officially done with with Shovel Knight stuff, right? They've they've made puzzle puzzle games, they've made expansions and DLC. I think they've said hey, our next thing's not going to be a Shovel well, Knight thing. There is a game coming out called Shovel Knight Dig, but uh, oh, okay. And I can't remember what that. Oh, that is. was different from their other puzzle game. Yeah, right. I think I think it's a uh, it's something around Drill Knight, if I'm not mistaken, but. Yeah. They did they did show off a new game that looks really cool. It's it's basically Zelda. Um it's called Mina, I think M I N A, the Howler and uh it looks really slick. Uh I, okay. I believe this was fully funded on Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, it looks familiar. It looks like Zelda. It looks like a link to the past with more pixel graphics. Um sure. very 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 much into it and i think uh yeah cyber shadow they put out cyber shadow 
and uh, that was on Game Pass as well. This is like a Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden mm-hmm. um, yep. clone, but it looks really good. Like the the graphics look awesome. Not I my don't know shit. If it's my kind of game. Yeah, looks exactly. awesome though. But yeah, Yacht Club. Yep. They make they got a style, man. They know what they're doing. They do. They uh, they make they make pretty good stuff. Um, I I'll go. Um, Bobby, I'm a big fan of a game called Sound Shapes that I played I've a lot on the Vita. That. Uh, it also it also came to PlayStation three and then and then PlayStation four eventually. Um, I, it's just I I love it. These little little platforming levels um, that that are music based. You are collecting different notes that then play as you continue going through the different screens. Um, and then it had some really strong. Uh, level design tools for for players that that just you you could make some really really cool things i tried to recreate woodman stage from Mega Man 2 and i think i did a pretty good job um i had a i had a fun time um playing around with that stuff it's one of the only times i've been really big into user generated content like that and sound shapes got a, a number of dlcs a lot of them were little packs of Mostly sounds. Uh, here's extra sounds that you can make for your different music things. Here's like an '80s synthesizer pack. Here's uh, here's you know whatever whatever packs, piano sounds, that kind of stuff. Uh, but the the one big DLC they put out was called the Car Pack. And car like C A R C A R. Yep. They added two cars to the game. One of them's like a, a really fast uh, sports car, and the other one ha- is like a uh, it's got a skull on it. It's got bike nice. tires, and it can climb walls. And and so they, you'd use them for two different purposes there. But they created new ways of playing. You'd get your little sound shape dude, and you just kind of bounce into it the same way you would, um, like a like a metal slug tank, I guess. Um, so you could play as jump in the car, and then you could jump off of it. I, Yoshi would also be another one, I guess you could say. Sure. Um, it did come a bit late. You had a bunch of packs of these of these sound packs that came out first, and uh, but I, I thought it was really neat. It added added some new stages, and and honestly, for me, more sound shapes is all I really wanted, and that's sure. what it gave me. They also, at the same time, this was separate, but they created what's called the community milk crate uh, because, like, so it's kind of going with like a music theme, so like a milk crate of of records. But they they pulled some of the what they thought were the they curated some of the best community stages they could find and put them in an official pack to say, hey, here's here's some stuff our our community's done that we think is really cool using our tools and let's just give these their proper due and they put them as official things in the game, which is really good uh, because now that the servers for sound shapes have gone down, uh, if you don't have the community milk crate, you lose out on any of those cool Fuck. community designed levels, uh, unless you want to just go and make them yourself, I guess. Um, and these things, it was just, it was just uh, two dollars. It was a buck ninety nine for all this stuff, and uh, and I, it was a great deal. I love Sound Shapes. It's still one of my favorite games. And uh, every every once in a while, I go back and just play through the stages because it's a it's a pretty short game. And having the, that extra DLC is is quite good. I am here to tell you about Horizon Zero Dawn: Frozen oh, no. Wilds. 
course. Uh, yes. Uh, um, she walks through that snow. She walks through the snow and you, you get a couple new outfits. You get a couple new bows and you get to encounter. They had that big, uh, like ice claw or whatever it was that big bear fight that you got into which was really fucking cool mm-hmm. um i was just so thrilled to get more of that game at the time and it does the unfortunate thing where like if you are if you've already beaten the game like it kind of does the somehow puts it before the the final sure. events. yeah you can't you can't have the revelation of the of the game because you need yeah that would screw up I, everything we're about to tell you but I, I think that what they ended up doing, if I'm not mistaken, was they put out like the, st- the the golden standard now for that is it includes the DLC and they they integrated. And I, I believe you had to be like level 30 to even be able to do those missions up there. So it's pretty mm-hmm. late game, but uh, it was cool. I, I dug it quite a bit. And I think that it was nice to have a different biome to go into or a different you know area that was at that point in time, you hadn't spent a lot of time in the snow. A little bit here and there but nothing like that so it was really cool i i, I dug frozen wilds quite yeah. a bit um yeah i i remember when i borrowed the copy i borrowed johnny's copy of rise of zero dawn to play it and i i burned through it pretty quickly because not not because i i don't want to say it's because i didn't eh. I enjoyed the game. I didn't enjoy it enough where I just had to have more and, and just consume it as soon sure. as I could. But I knew that I was playing somebody else's copy. I wanted to return it, so let's get this done pretty yeah. quickly. But after I finished it, I bought the DLC myself of a game that I didn't own to to play through that DLC, and then I returned Johnny's copy of the game. So technically, I own that DLC. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I, I played through it. I, I remember having a pretty good time with it. For sure. So, but I, I definitely do remember this was this was before God of War, but the idea this this was the game I remember people pointing to and going, look at the way she walks through that snow and and the way that the snow reacts and then like a like a memory foam mattress that like is holding holding that shape. You're you're seeing the tracks that she goes through, and 100%. you could even you could even kind of track uh, enemies and. Uh, by by looking at prints in the snow, which was uh, which is kind of cool. That was a cool thing. Um, uh, greed, Bobby. I'm going to talk about Borderlands, but I need you to know this is pre Tiny Tina Borderlands. This Bullshit. is you're talking about Tiny this, Tina. I'm not. I'm not. This is Borderlands One. This is the third Borderlands DLC that came out for Borderlands One. This was the Salad Days. Before we even before Tiny Tina was even a was even a blink in her weird explosive father's eye, I have no idea what the lore about Tiny Tina, and I don't want to know. Um, so this was the third Borderlands DLC. The first DLC was the Zombie Island of Doctor Ned. It was fine, uh, but it took you to a new space, and it was a completely separate area from the main game. You, I don't think it had any vehicles. Uh, it didn't have any fast travel, and and it was kind of it, again, it was okay. It just felt like a very gimmicky area because it was all zombie themed. Uh, right. it, it actually reminded me a lot of some of the Fallout Three DLC that came out around that time, the like the Operation Anchorage and the Pit specifically. Yep. Uh, that there was like Undead oh nightmare. We, uh, Undead Nightmare was a little bit different because that was taking place in the same open world. 
Yeah. Whereas what Fallout 3 and what the Zombie Island were doing is like, okay, we're gonna, we know this is a big open world and you can have all these different options available to you, so we're gonna punt that away and say, actually, you're in this new space and we can very much control what you're doing in this new space. Uh, and, and I guess that helped them make a, make a DLC that wasn't so... They didn't have to think about as many things that way. And and I can understand that, but it did lead to some pretty boring DLCs. The the second DLC for uh for Borderlands was Mad Moxie's Underdome Riot, and that was just a horde mode. And if it, it was fine, it was fine as a horde mode, but it just didn't feel it, it didn't feel significant at all. And uh and that was that was kind of disappointing. But this is the first one that really felt like it mattered. Uh, it had the Crimson Lance involved, which was a big, the big yeah. enemy from from the original Borderlands. So it felt like you were doing something that that mattered, that had that had characters who made a difference. Um, they there was a big new enemy type, uh, a mech powered Devastator that the Crimson Lance was using. So this was a, a big new enemy type that you had to deal with. Uh, they increased the level cap of the game, which was nice. They added some new vehicles. There was a new rarity of gear. They added pearlescent, uh, pearlescent items to the game. So that was even higher than their, their legendary exotic uh, guns. Um, but then most importantly to me, it added their first raid boss, Promorax the Invincible, this big giant crab Damn. monster. And, and he was a lot of fun to fight. And more importantly, he was fun to cheese. This was a time, still, still in college, I had, a, I had a number of friends who played Borderlands, and we were able to get groups together to, to play through, one, that DLC, but then we, we would grind a lot on Cromorox, that, that raid boss fight. It was a lot of fun. I played as the, um, oh, I played as Lilith. What the hell was her class? The, the Siren? The Siren. Sirens, thank you, Jesus. Yeah. I I literally have forgotten everything possible about Borderlands, and I'm living living clean these days. Uh, but yes, I played as the Siren Lilith, which meant I could just go invisible whenever I wanted to. So I was the person who was uh, healing people and keeping us in the fight as uh, as we would get through. There was a spot though, very early. I think they fixed it eventually, but there was a spot. Like right off the cliff where you could where you could duck down and you couldn't be hit by anything and you could just pop up take a few shots and then pop back down and and you could always keep somebody alive that way and uh and would make sure the team wouldn't wipe and that was that was a good time but he he just spewed loot uh out of his head when he died and it was it was very cool to go through that big fight and then you had this this kind of quiet moment where everyone's just Looking, looking on the ground and going, oh, these are greens. That's a that's, that's a blue. I don't care about that. Oh, oh, here's an orange. Here's an orange. And and looking at it, it's like, oh, I already have one of these. Do you have one of these? Okay, then you can take that one. And all this horse trading that people were doing at the end because this just it's just wall to wall loot on the ground and uh, and having people uh, look pick through that stuff. It was it was a good time. I I enjoyed that DLC quite a bit. And then Borderlands Two came out and was fine. And then I think once we got into the Borderlands 2 DLCs, it really started to lose me. Yep. And then Borderlands 3 came out and everything went bad. I just way, got that game. Bad. Borderlands 3? It's free on Epic. Yeah, good. Yeah, well, that's probably still too much. But uh, what, you, what else do you got, Bobby? I'm, I'm going to do two because they're my final okay. two. I'm just going to wrap them up. Uh, sure. The, the one that I will start with first is Mario and Rabbids. 
So they mm. added DLC where you could play as Donkey Kong and it added some more levels into it and some new mechanics there with that. And I thought that was really cool. Um, I've not played War of the Chosen for XCOM 2. I haven't played XCOM 2, but I think that this was a pretty big uh, DLC for that game. And yeah, thought- like that one like radically changes. So I've, I've only... <laughs> it's... It's a little bit like XCOM 1's DLC as well, where it integrates into the full game. Yep. So you, you're you not really playing the game. You're not really playing a separate thing of extra DLC. It is, here's all this stuff, so the next time you run a yep. game of XCOM or XCOM 2, it has a lot of stuff in it. I think the only... I think when I played XCOM 2, it had the War of the Chosen stuff already integrated in there, so I'm not... I'm a little fuzzy on what it adds versus what was in the original game. Yeah, they so that that came as for for Mario and Rabbids. It was a, a season pass, and they added in like new weapons, like the pixel pack that you could get. There's some other shit. Uh, very cool stuff. Very good game. I I've kind of thought about bringing that game on to Monday nights. I I just I love I, that game. I wouldn't I wouldn't throw you out. Um, we we do have another one of those coming sometime this year, right? It's so. Supposed to be this year. I think that one gets the silent bump, though. Um, Maybe I think it, might- it wouldn't. It wouldn't be bad to uh, to refresh ourselves on on that yeah. style of game before the new one comes out. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about is um, controversial, I think, because a lot of people did not like this, but I rather enjoyed Fallout Four, and I really liked Far Harbor. And Far uh, Harbor, I do. I have heard people say they like Far. Far Harbor was the Nick Valentine's focused, um, and he's kind of that noir s detective robot. And I also just like saying Far Harbor. It's, Far, it's Harbor. Far Harbor. So I had wish been, I was in Boston. I wish I was in Boston. We should have we should have Jiggy San on here. I know. So Far Harbor. Far Harbor for some lobster chowder. I've been to Bar Harbor <laughs> twice now, and uh, it was really cool to see that stuff in the game. But this one does some really trippy shit too. Like it, it goes like Lawnmower Man almost at times. But mm-hmm. uh, it it's just it's really really good DLC, and the setting is so damn good. Um, the only thing that I, if I remember correctly, that I did not care for. There was at times some like not quite horde, but not quite RTS either. But like the town would be attacked, and you kind of had to like get people positioned for that fight. Yeah, wasn't it? Wasn't a little bit? Um, it it kind of like zombies mode in in Call of Duty, yep. where yep. where you're like trying to barricade some stuff, and yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine, but that's really cool. There's some awesome story stuff there. They introduced some new faction work. Uh, it's just, in my opinion, it's what DLC should be. It adds a lot of great stuff that builds, uh, adds new stuff and builds off the stuff that, I mean, people like Nick Valentine the best. And fall, he's arguably the best part of that game. So sure. uh, those are the, the, I mean, I could probably pull some more out of my ass, but... Yeah, I mean, that's, we're, that's where we're, I'm at. we're already doing pretty good on time. I got I got one more I'll throw down. Um, I, I think Far Harbor, though, similar to Minerva's Den in a way, people people like the DLC more than they like the game, from, I, from what I kind of hear. It's my highlight for that. Like, I like Fallout 4. I really, I, I did. Like, I'll, I'll say that. But I, yeah. I think that this is much better than the game yeah. itself. Yeah. 
I think people have kind of turned the corner on on Bioshock 2. I, I think people are realizing that game is actually pretty good, especially in comparison to the other Bioshocks. But e- even still, Minerva's Den is is leaps and bounds better than that game, which is which is kind of interesting. It's it's interesting to the idea that you might buy a game just to play the extra content, <laughs> just to buy further content for it, because that's the thing you actually want to play. Um, I'll I'll finish it with this, Bobby, and this is. Yes, this is going to be a bit of a plug, uh, but also oh. it's just true, and and it's kind of the reason I want to I, I want to play it anyway, and that it's turned into a plug. In that uh, Steamworld Heist, the Outsider oh. DLC, is is one I really enjoy. They added a new character named the Outsider. Um, let me let me pull up my notes. I don't know if I remember right. that. So the the character's called Fen F E N. Uh, they've got like a red bandana around them. Okay. And uh, they've got a mechanic that when they kill enemies, they gain a charge that can then be used to either heal or uh, do extra powerful damaging shots. Uh, it adds a bunch of new missions. It adds a bunch of new guns. There's a harpoon gun, which is pretty cool. Uh, there's a gun called the Killing Joke because uh, they off Batman. Yeah, absolutely off Batman. That's. The uh, the Steamworld people are are nothing if not referential to the things that they like. Uh, the Killing Joke, though, it's a it's a pistol that pierces characters and cover uh, and and does area damage on hit, but it also has friendly fire. So it's uh, it's this very damaging pistol, but it's it's quite good. But if you don't use it the right way, uh, you could really screw yourself. And it also has a gun called the Great Balls O Flailer. That shoots multiple uh, metal flail balls, like the spiked balls, uh, that bounce around and do a bunch of damage that way. It's a uh, it's a pretty neat extra stuff, extra helping of content on a game that I already quite love, and it's uh, it's stuff that I think you can get pretty early in the game on on your run. It's just hey, here's this outsider mission. You can take it. You can get this extra robot on your team. And this extra character is is actually quite good, and uh, I'm looking forward. The reason it's a plug is that I'm looking forward to playing with the Outsider DLC and playing some Steamworld Heist on my YouTube channel, Chasey K Plays, because uh, that's going to be the next game I play for that channel. So uh, it, I haven't started playing it yet. I haven't recorded anything quite yet, but uh, probably in the next couple weeks, I would imagine I'll be uh, I'll start putting up episodes of me playing through that it's it's one of my favorite turn-based strategy games and uh i'm I'm looking forward to showing people why that is so funny you say that i'm looking right now on steam at steam world heist on my steam deck and a lot of steam a lot of steam uh that game for anybody listening is currently on sale 75 percent off on steam And they've got you can get every single Steamworld game for like they've got it deeply discounted for like thirty bucks you get everything but you can get the game itself for three dollars and seventy four cents and the Outsider um, this ends on May May thirtieth by the way Um, you can get that very soon if if you're listening to this uh, on on Friday you got a couple days left yeah it's it's they missed the mark here though it's sixty eight percent off oh I know. It's not very nice at all. So it goes down from seventy nine uh, ninety two to twenty five forty seven to get everything 
from them. And, on, on... and everything includes SteamWorld Dig 1 and 2, SteamWorld Heist, and uh, Gilgamesh, and uh, SteamWorld uh, yeah, West, and Gilgamesh. It's, it's everything. Plus so, all the DLCs for that. Um, cool. I think I might pick up SteamWorld Heist for sure. Because, uh, and oh, is, everything by them is, well, not everything, I don't think. I think everything. It's all deck verified, by the way. Um, oh, nice. Is uh, that, that includes um, uh, the, the gunk. Of course, how can I forget the gunk? Oh, I don't know if the gunk's on here or not. I think it's just the SteamWorld. Okay. I don't think that that's... Yeah, I, I imagine the pack the pack that's on sale is, is SteamWorld, but I, yeah. I was wondering if the gunk uh, works on the Steam Deck. Uh, well, it does via xCloud. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I, I could play that that way if I wanted to. Sure. Okay. Uh, this was fun. DLC is cool. I think it's a bad rap, but there's some cool stuff there for sure. Let me. Uh, yeah, I mean, we pulled out a couple of good examples. There are definitely bad examples. We we mentioned horse armor earlier. Uh, yeah. I am a huge Fire Emblem fan, and despite me purchasing all that DLC that Nintendo puts out. None of it is worth the price. Uh, I would tell you, don't do that, but I'm a sucker for that stuff, so I just do it anyway. Um, Nintendo used to just not do DLC at all, and I think now they're kind of some of the worst ones about it uh, in, in terms of the stuff you get for the money. Yeah. Yeah, D- DLC is a weird thing, and, and it turns we've, we've also turned into a weird, weird, weird world. Yeah, that's easy to say. Um, weird West, weird world. Uh, to like, we're we're getting so many free to play games now that have all these cosmetics, so it feels like everything is DLC on a free game now. Yeah, and so it, it we're just at a weird time where you can you can certainly pay anybody to get a little bit of extra content in anything. Yeah. Uh, greed. Yeah. So Chase, let's wrap up here uh, to talk a little bit about where you can find us follow the link there it's also on our show notes thecasualhour.com at the casual hour this week monday night we had a really fun stream where we talked about the play date and showed off a lot of the stuff from the season and some sideloaded things there you should go back and watch that on youtube and or twitch uh we have a quick look that went up on tuesday for an early access game called the iron oath that i rather like quite a bit um but as we talked about with early access, it's one of those things where how far down the rabbit hole do you go before 1.0 hits? Uh, tonight, we did end up getting through the deep dive episode on DLC. Tomorrow morning, a very painful quick look at Trek to Yomi. And as we teased out Friday night, V Rising, definitely with Bobby, maybe with Bobby and Johnny. Uh, some more to come there, and we will keep you all updated uh, wherever you use social media. Chase, the Gamer on the Go, tell me about yeah. that. Yeah, uh, Gamers on the Go is another podcast I do. Sometimes Bobby shows up. He showed up for the last episode that we did on Always the Playdate. happy to be there. And I'm happy to have you. Uh, but our last episode was on that very same Playdate that Bobby and I showed up on Monday. Um, but we met with our good friend of the show, Jiggy-san, Magic Air. And we talked about uh, just the hardware of the device and then the first two weeks of content that came out for that. And we're looking to do more episodes of that as the uh, as that season one of content continues. Uh, but in the meantime, who knows? Maybe there'll be other episodes of, of Gamers on the Go coming out about different topics. Uh, oh, yeah. You can find all that at GamersOnTheGo.com. 
And then also, I plugged it earlier, but I've got a YouTube channel, Chase K Plays, on YouTube, where I play uh, kind of whatever video games. At the moment, I've played through Super Robot Wars X, and most recently, Johnny and I did a uh, Pokemon Shiny Pearl Nuzlocke run that went quite well. We had a good time with, and uh, yeah, the next the next game in that will be SteamWorld Heist. Looking forward to uh, getting started on that. It's it, a very it really good is game. one of my favorite games ever, and more people should know about it. I agree with you. They absolutely should. Uh, so Chase, that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you for uh, picking up the pieces here tonight, getting us through it. Also, um, a lot of tough shit going on in the world. There's a lot of great resources out there to help you navigate it. Our show is probably not one of those. But if you if you need to be pointed into it, um, hit us up. We'll get you the right place. And uh, take care of yourselves. Check in on your friends. Everybody's processing things differently. It's hard to be empathetic when you're tired and angry. But it's one of those things where we got to remind ourselves to do it. So appreciate everybody. Thanks for coming in and disconnecting with us. Uh, we appreciate you and your 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 support. We will be back Friday night. Uh, with some vampires. So we'll talk to you then.